Hello, and welcome to Everybody's National Parks, an audio travel guide aimed to inspire you and your family to visit America's national parks and help you get the most out of your park experience. This is your host, Danielle. This is episode 27. In this episode, Brian speaks with Moon Guide author Joshua Berman all about camping and visiting the national parks in Colorado. We want to thank our sponsor for this episode, Moon Travel Guides. If you've traveled the Americas, then you already know Moon Travel Guides are the go-to guides for truly immersive experiences. With coverage of every national park and more outdoor adventures across the U.S., you can count on Moon's local expertise, unique recommendations, and strategic advice to help you plan an unforgettable trip whether you're hiking in the heartland or camping on the coast. Wherever your wonderlust may lead, there's a moon guide for you. Send us your questions or comments to hello at everybody'snps.com or on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. Now let's get to the conversation. Hi, everybody. We're here with Josh Berman. He is the author of the forthcoming Moon Guide book, Colorado Camping, all about, as you can imagine, camping in Colorado. We're really excited to have uh, Josh on our program today, and we're looking forward to taking a, a deep dive. And just off the recording, I was telling Josh, this is actually, you know, selfishly for us, it's well-timed because this was our, our plan for next summer, summer of 2021, was to do a sweep through Colorado. And so it's kind of nice. It's kind of like you wrote the book for us. So it's, it's kind of really well-timed. So we're really excited to talk to you. So Josh, Welcome aboard, and thanks for taking time out to speak with us. Yeah, hey, thanks so much for having me. So this is great. And look, we're here in New York, and uh, I'm jealous because I wish something like the Colorado Camping Guide existed for New York. So it's kind of a self-explanatory title, but can you run through kind of the premise of your guidebook? So it's a, a pretty thorough and comprehensive guidebook to the best campgrounds in Colorado, and the best meaning, there's about 480 separate campgrounds that are listed in the book. And each campground listing also comes with kind of a, a little micro guide to the region on, on what activities you would be doing if you were staying in that campground, and, you know, including hot springs and national parks and national monuments and national forests and all, the, all our public lands here and fly fishing, just all the activities that are most accessible from that campground. And then there's a big intro section on, on just camping 101 and camping in Colorado 101 and, and some basic tips. I get to update the book every couple of years. It's some pretty fun research with my family rolling around the state from researching the campground. So it's a nice gig and, and we're pretty into it. Do you kind of uh, have a division of labor here or, or have you been to all these campgrounds? Have you done the Pepsi challenge yourself with these campgrounds? I'm working on it year by year. I've physically visited and inspected over 200 something, about half of the campgrounds that are listed in the book. And I've interviewed quite a few park rangers and campground managers over the years. But each year, you know, I, we notch off another couple ones. And, and like I said, it's, pretty, it's a pretty fun challenge to have. I, you know, I love traveling with a purpose. So wherever we go around Colorado, one of the purposes is to check out the campgrounds and you know, we're all kind of experts at this point. Well, this is what I meant about, I was excited for this. And I mean that sincerely because 
one of the challenges, and again, sometimes it's a fun challenge, sometimes it's frustrating, is it, it's remarkable on how the campsites, even in some regards at national parks, there's not, there's not a lot. You, you, it's hard, even the websites, or if you're, if you're cruising around the internet, it's hard to find some sort of description or even pictures of what you're going to be getting into. So uh, this is a really welcome addition, and especially we're, we're about to go out there, that we can have a real review of what we could expect at a particular campsite. So I'm pretty excited to have this discussion with you. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. The campgrounds, I mean, they are really unique. I mean, just as each park and each national monument within the state is extremely geographically unique, so are the campgrounds that are in there. So it's it's really fun to get to know them and to bring my kids to them. So I, I'd love to give that whole breadth, but of course, our, our end, our podcast focuses on the national parks. So the four national parks that are in Colorado, have you given some thought to them? And in the book, uh, you have some descriptions of some of the campsites. Do you have kind of a, a sample itinerary in your head about how you would hit those parks? And what are some of the front country campsites, you know, for families, you know, car camping, that you could recommend just for those national parks? So Colorado's four national parks and its eight national monuments are, they're distributed around the state in a pretty nice way. A lot of people do a kind of a loop that anchors the four national parks together. And we're talking Rocky Mountain National Park, which I can see right now from my office window. Uh, Long's Peak comes up out of the horizon just a few miles west of Longmont where I live, and that's the highest point of Rocky Mountain National Park. So that's my little reminder every day that the park is there. And then you've got on the extreme other southwest four corners area of the state, you've got Mesa Verde National Park, you've got Sand Dunes that's you know more south of here, and then we have uh, Black Canyon and the Gunnison. So connecting those parks gives you a pretty nice loop through the state, um, which coincidentally also includes a whole bunch of really, really nice hot springs and hot springs resorts. So combining those with the national parks is is kind of a favorite, you know, another another way to anchor your your mission there. So but yeah, and sometimes you know you're you're camping in the park if you get lucky enough to get a site and sometimes you're you're camping in the forest around the park and and there's there's a lot of camping. It's definitely definitely harder and harder to to reserve your spot and to get a spot these days with the population of Colorado growing every year. If you just get out there, you'll find a spot. I want to dig into that a little bit. So, and this is something I learned the hard way camping with my brother in the Pacific Northwest uh, at national parks that sometimes the national parks, their front country campsites, especially in busy seasons, get snapped up pretty quickly. But in those cases, the parks surrounded by other public lands, like a national forest, they're kind of forgotten. And, and it seems, and I wanted to ask you that about Colorado, it seems like there's some national forests surrounding some of these national parks. And would that be a, a great kind of a hint about where you can camp, be close to a national park, but probably have a, a great experience and also be able to find a campsite? Absolutely. For the most part, for especially in weekends and, and the summer, the national parks, you know, re they really do take a big hit as far as the as far as number of visitors and the impact of having, you know, pretty big crowds of visitors. So if anyone, I mean, first of all, if you're able to camp during the week, do it. I'm really lucky. I'm a teacher. I'm a Spanish teacher during the year. So we, we have a pretty flexible schedule in the summer. So camping during the week really is, is not much of a problem. I mean, in the, in the park, sure, for the more popular campgrounds, you do need reservations. And more and more of those campgrounds take reservations. 
and it's usually six months in advance and, and there's people who sit there and click at the stroke of midnight when the six months before their trip comes up. But there's some pretty large campgrounds in some of those national parks. And then, like you said, there's, there's plenty of spots around those. And the trend now, so what's in my, the new version of my book that's coming out in May is there's a handful of new campgrounds, many of them close to national park entrances. I'm thinking of one um, in, in Granby in, in particular that has a, a campground. It's got cabins. It's got a little apartments. It's got yurts. It's got teepees. It's got all kinds of activities. It's almost like a little camping resort. And there's, there's some new places like that coming up around Colorado and, and also near campground entrances. And what's nice about your book is your book kind of categorizes these campsites. So if you, if you needed a place for an RV hookup or you wanted a yurt, you can find that. Do you want to also talk a little about the icons you have in your book, which I found very helpful and I, I wish existed, again, wish existed for some of the other places we go. What are those icons and how does that help organize one's trip or thinking about a campsite? By the way, that, that, that campground I was just mentioning in Grammy is called River Run and, and that's brand new and that's, that's definitely somewhere to, to check out. So, but yeah, in the book, the, the individual listings has the title of the campground and then it has a number of these icons so that you can see really quickly right off the bat that this campground is accessible or this one has a playground or this one permits pets or it's got fishing or biking or hiking. And just so with a quick glance that you know that it, it has those things that you might be looking for um, right up front or tent sites. So there's a number of those of those little icons right up front that let you know kind of what you're dealing with. Including things like, uh, I notice you have uh, a symbol for ADA parks. So if you have someone with a disability or someone who just is, has mobility issues, you can find a campsite that, that fits that person as well. So really it's, it's for all, all types of families and all types of groups for camping, which again is, is gotta be really helpful. It's, it's probably nerve wracking if you're rolling into a campsite and you're not sure if it's gonna be accommodating for your pet or your grandparent or whomever you're camping with. So that's another thing that seems to be really helpful about your book. Yeah, yeah. We, and we also try to put the, the specific size of, of the RV, you know, as far as the, the length in feet of what this campground handles. Because that, you know, as you're searching for, you know, if you are in vehicles that are bigger than a standard spot, then you're going to want that right off the bat too. So uh, one question I, I had, so I was to Colorado a few years ago with some high school buddies and we went camping and Rocky Mountain National Park. And the entrance, which I'm sure everyone in Colorado knows, but I, I wasn't aware of it, kind of the entrance town, city, was Estes Park. So can you talk a little bit about what Estes Park is and do you have recommended camping there? And how does that work in relation to visiting Rocky Mountain National Park? So all of our national parks in, in Colorado have wonderful gateway towns. You know, those, those welcome towns, those mountain towns that are going to welcome you in and and provide you with services. And for me, Estes Park is, is notable. There's, there's some awesome outfitters and, and like camping gear and hiking gear and outdoor gear places that also have guided trips. There's a few of those around town and they can help get you into the park or get you backcountry skiing or snowshoeing in Rocky Mountain National Park. And, you know, and, they, and they've, they've all got their, their fun little hotels and, and, tourist town shops, shops go-kart tracks. I think there might still be one little go-kart track in Estes Park and some, and some putt-putting, 
but yeah, the, the town there is really close to the entrance of the park and, and the elk herds, you know, come out of the park and through the town and down the sidewalks and through the parks. And so it's all pretty, pretty integrated pretty well. And then the other side of Rocky Mountain National Park is, is you've got Grand Lake and you've got Granby, which are also, you know, kind of quintessential mountain towns that, you know, have access just to a, a ton of wild area. So we're at the gateway towns and now, now let's get into the park and we'll just, let's just think about Rocky for a second. Do you have some recommended front country campsites? And then I don't know if you've been able to do this with your family yet or by yourself. Do you have any back country campsites that you've been able to experience that you think are just a, just a can't miss place to go? Sure. So Rocky, Rocky Mountain National Park has five front country campgrounds. One of them, Timber Lake, is, is on the west side of the park and the rest are on the east side of the park. One of those is the Long's Peak uh, base camp, and that's a tent only. And that's, you know, the people who are going to summit Long's Peak, which is you know, one of our biggest 14ers, will camp at that base camp and they'll be getting up at three in the morning to get up and get on the trail. So that's a really unique little community that camps there. But the main front country campgrounds, Moraine Park is is the largest. And of that, there's there's the the westernmost loop is the D loop. And those sites are fantastic. They're on the edge of the loop. You've got incredible views. There's all kinds of granite and forest for the kids to play in. They can just run off. And then you can hike right from there down to a couple of trailheads. Other parts of, of that park, of that campground, sorry, are definitely a little bit busy. You know, the group area there has a lot of traffic going through it. You've got shuttle buses and everything. So definitely want to be careful when you're choosing your site about not being right in the middle of the, of the traffic and try to get on, on some of those outside loops. But Moraine Park is, is definitely kind of the standard D-loop. Yeah. D-loop. And, and just quickly, for those who don't know, and I only learned because I looked at your book, what is a 14er? A 14er is a mountain that is 14,000 feet or more above sea level. Colorado actually has 54 14ers, which is way, way, way above any other state. There also means we have hundreds of 13ers of mountains above 13,000 feet. And they're big enough that they really, I mean, Long's Peak out my window here really does just jut above the horizon and, and all kinds of snow-capped majesty that you can imagine. Some of them are really hard to climb. Some of them are, are easy to climb, but kind of a big slog. Long's Peak does have some technical parts. There are fatalities on it all the time. That that's a tough hike. But yeah, that's that's one of the things that Colorado is known for. And I do have a list of campgrounds that are that are the best for accessing some of those 54, 14,000 foot mountains. Just circling back down, so Rocky Mountain National Park, of course, is a is a very large national park. Maybe a little bit smaller or something like Black Canyon on the Gunnison. So how would you recommend approaching Black Canyon and the Gunnison for camping? So there's two main sites that are inside the park, the North Rim and the South Rim. And you know, Black Canyon and the Gunnison is kind of a self-describing park. It's, it's an extremely steep and deep and really, really impressive canyon on the Gunnison River. Uh, it's right in the kind of the, the west central mountains, right, really tucked away in, in the Rocky Mountains. There's a, a really nice campground on the South Rim that's that's bigger. The the sites are relatively private because there's all this kind of oak that forms these little pockets, um, these oak trees that form these pockets around the camps campsites. On the North Rim, though, 
And this takes like two or three hours to drive to the North Rim campsite from the visitor center. So it's way out there and gives you access. And it's a much smaller campground, gives you access to hiking trails out there. Um, and it's nice to have that in inside the park, you know, in an official national park campground, but to really feel like you're, you're really remote because it takes a while to get back there. And then there, there's some little smaller pockets as you go upstream on the Gunnison. There's also a national recreation area there and, and a, a dozen more campgrounds that are on national park service land. And how long do you think, you know, cause Rocky mountain, you could spend weeks there and it's a good, a good vacation just at Rocky. How, how many days do you think you would need for Black Canyon of the Gunnison to, to visit it? Depending on what you want to do. I mean, most, most people do, do it pretty quickly, you know, camp up on the South Rim, look at all the beautiful overlooks, do a couple of little hikes or drives, learn about it, and don't really go down into the canyon because that does take some commitment. And you, you could do that, you know, just spending even just a night or two there. But some people, you can book a trip normally uh, down on the river. You can do these guided trips on the river below the dam. You can go, you know, amazing fly fishing some like world-class fly fishing on some of those stretches and that's another thing that people do there you know or if you really want to there are some some longer hiking trails there too but it's definitely a little bit more for the hardy national park aficionados so how difficult is it to get down into the canyon i mean that's something that uh, it's hard to kind of discern is it is it arduous or is it different by whatever path you take so I've never done it. I haven't done it yet. I think there is a really difficult Jeep road that gets you down pretty far to, to do some of those river trips. That's a little bit farther upstream. I'm not really sure about the hiking trails, about how far down they go from, from the campgrounds there, how far down you, you can get toward the river. But it's, I think it's about 2,000 feet high, uh, some of the cliffs there. Yeah, it seems, I mean, that's why, I guess, why it's called Black Canyon of the Gunnison. It seems pretty narrow and pretty high. So that's why I was wondering getting down there. But yeah, if, if you can get down there and wo- reward yourself with some fly fishing, that sounds pretty great and probably a way to kind of get away from the crowds as well, I would imagine. Yeah, it's definitely one of the lesser visited parks. So going to Mesa Verde, just just what is Mesa Verde? So it's a little bit different than what we've just talked about. What What is Mesa Verde? So really different. Mesa Verde is, so this is down in the, the desert, high desert, four corners region of Colorado. So Southwest of Durango, Colorado. And it is, you know, it's primarily fascinating as an archaeological site. There are 5,000 recognized archaeological sites in in, in Mesa Verde and and like 600 cliff dwellings. So most people are there to do some kind of a nitty-gritty archaeological-based tour. You know, the the landscape is fantastic also because the ancestral Puebloans who lived there built these cliff dwellings on this high-altitude it's a mesa. It's it's a you know it's a big rise in in the geography, so you can see for miles around. And then to do that and to 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 know that you're walking the path that these people walked thousands of years ago, is is pretty incredible. So they've got some really great park tours set up there, and that's that's definitely one of the parks that you want to get a guided tour. You want to hear about what you're seeing there because they're they're just fascinating, and you can combine that with your own explorations as well, of course, too. Right. And I would imagine also part of the charm is something like that when you're camping, at least nearby, not, of course, not at the, at the site itself, but you know, with that sky, I would imagine you can probably imagine yourself as, as how the Puebloans were, however long ago they were, 8,000, 10,000 years ago, however long they were there. So I imagine that's, that's one of those things that you can make, make that connection when you have the ability to not just be a day tripper, but to stay overnight for a couple of nights. 
Yeah. And, and the other thing that Mesa Verde has, they have pretty unique lodging inside the park. They have a hotel that's really built really well on, onto one of those rises. So you can stay in kind of these cabins. These, they're, they're pretty modern. It's, it's a pretty nice hotel. And then, of course, there's also a really large campground there, too. But some of Colorado's national parks and monuments have, and don't ask me exactly which ones, but have that the dark sky certification. I just had to postpone a trip to Dinosaur National Monument with my 12-year-old. We were going to do a float trip down the Green River. To I was going to write an article on some of those campsites there, some of those campgrounds you know, with names like Gates of Lador, but really cool, really far out there. But part of the article is going to be about the dark sky designation that Dinosaur National Monument just got. You mentioned the National Monument of Dinosaurs. So what are some of the other, some of your other favorite non-national parks, national monuments, park properties that you have in Colorado? Well, Colorado National Monument is one that thousands of people drive by all the time without realizing that it's even there. It's, it's just south of I-70 in the western part of the state near the Utah border. So anyone who's going back and forth to Utah or to Moab or to Canyonlands has driven by this. And you see these, these big cliffs up south of of I-70. But unless you know it's there, they're, they're, that's a, a national monument that's really stunning. And they've got a campground there. It's one of the few, I give all the campgrounds get a scenic beauty rating of one to 10. There's a handful of tens in the entire book, and there's a handful of nines. This is a Saddlehorn Campground in Colorado National Monument. is a, a very solid nine. It's on top of these 2,000-foot cliffs. You know, the sites are pretty exposed, but it, it cools down at night. So it's, it's really nice. The sunrise is probably the nicest of any campground in the state because you're up that high and you're, you're seeing it come up over the, over this enormous valley there below. So that's, that's a big one is Colorado National Monument. And I definitely also would, would want to mention Bent's Old Fort, which is a national historic site in southeastern Colorado near La Junta. And that's a, a really unique site. It's, it's a replica of an 1840s trading fort. And the rangers dress in period and are kind of actors. You know, even the grandson of, of, of the actual Kit Carson is, is one of the rangers there. You know, we went there in November and we were the, one of the only ones there. And they hung out with us and wrapped us. We hung out wrapped in buffalo skins in the middle of the courtyard. And they cooked us coffee over the fire. And, it's a real experience. And, they, and, the, and, and then the junior ranger uh, thing there was like a big scavenger hunt the kids just love. That sounds, that sounds like a lot of fun. And you, know, you, you mentioned something before about your rating as well. I don't envy you trying to ascribe ratings to all of these, all of these campsites that you have. You, you must be like the, you know, the Russian judge and the figure skating in the Olympics. <laughs> try, you know, it's got to be tough to say what's a nine and what's an eight and what's a seven. And and uh, that's that's got to be a tough a tough thing to kind of figure out when you're when you're at these places. It's kind of fun getting my kids involved in it too, you know. And it's not just on is this aesthetically beautiful, but it it also takes into account what is there to do here. You know, are the are the sites spaced out and private? Is is it an overall great experience? And then it also looks into account the the yes the actual physical beauty and and the remoteness that you feel and so. But yeah, it's, it's definitely, it, it's a hard job because there are so many incredible ones and the standard, you know, really have to try to maintain what your standard is and, and, and make sure that the tens really are tens. So we've hit the, the majestic mountains, we've hit canyons, we've had some historical sites. So just, can you just describe what Great Sand Dunes National Park 
is about and what's so special about that and how families can really enjoy that as well. So again, Great Sand Dunes is one of those parks that really is its own, it's like its own category of everything. It's, it's, I had heard about it for years and then finally when we made it there, you know, it, it, it fits some of, of my expectations, but really just blew me out of the water because it's, it's kind of high altitude, but there is the, these sand dunes. Somebody once described it like somebody's dropped in there in front of the Sangre de Cristo mountains, which are some really gorgeous, you know, jagged, rocky mountain, 14,000 foot peaks. Um, somebody dropped these sand dunes in front of there in order to make like a, a film scene to, to film a movie. And then they just left the set there. It's, it's hard to imagine how they got there. The, the juxtaposition of just seeing it, you know, and, and the campground there really does, you, you see that it's right on the edge of the dunes and then the mountains rise up right behind it. So most of the campsites have that view and it, it, it really is incredible. Um, Pinion Flats is the name of the campground inside sand dunes. And you definitely want reservations for that. And you definitely want to try to get on the outside of the loop so that you are right there looking at the sand. And now as far as going there with a family, you want to go when the creek is running. So there's this freshwater creek of snowmelt coming out of the mountains that flows over the base of the dunes, which is all sand. And if you're there at the right time and this creek is running through and it's very wide and shallow, I mean, when we were there, it was maybe like six or eight inches deep. And the kids just rolled around in it. It's not quite mud. You know, it's like very fine sand and fresh water. And just, they, they just did that for hours. You know, so that's, that's a really cool phenomenon. It's, it's, and it's like a beach, but it's not like a beach. And really, yeah, really neat thing to see. It, it's just hard to wrap my mind around that freshwater creek, sand dunes. And they're not small sand dunes. I mean, these are, these are pretty, pretty big sand dunes. And then the mountains in the background, it's hard to put that all in my brain and have them come out together. So it's, <laughs> it's gotta be a, it's a, it sounds like a pretty, a pretty wild spot. It, that's the thing. It's, yeah. One of those things you just, you just have to experience it to get it. I also wanted to ask you, Josh, it's also in my brain. I have, I have this all and I'm playing the movie in my brain and it's summertime in, in my brain. But of course, you know, winter is, is a magnificent time to be in Colorado as well, or just off season. So what could you recommend about Colorado and parks in the off season? I mean, what, what can one do? Can they camp? How does that all work in your mind? Uh, it's a great time to visit the parks. Is, is, yeah, definitely in those off seasons. Some of the parks do have campgrounds that, that stay open year round, but they would have fewer services in the winter. The water might be shut off. The prices will be, will be cheaper. But the, the real gem, though, are the ones that have some kind of like a yurts or cabins. Some of them are backcountry. You'd have to ski to them to get to them or snowshoe to them. And, and you could stay in. in the, and some of these are inside the parks and some are just outside the parks. Some are on public land, some are on private land. So there, there's some yeah, really great options in, in the winter. And some of them will be yeah, like those huts or the yurts that, that you can get back to and get in. And I'm pretty sure, I um, have to check, but I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure that the lodge in Mesa Verde is open year-round. And yeah, there's, there's a number of options there. Definitely don't let the winter scare you away. So yeah, the winter, the winter can be, and again, you can avoid, probably avoid some crowds. And I assume some of those cabins and yurts, they're heated, right? So that's kind of the reward, right? The end of the, end of the trail is you get to a, a heated cabin or a yurt. Or should I not assume that? And some of this is probably the roughing it. You probably have to 
you know, be layered up and bed down. But I assume that there's all sorts of levels that you could camp in in the in the wintertime. Yeah, there's all sorts of levels. There's ones, yeah, where they'll they'll light the fire and take care of you and ones where you're you're doing it all on your own for sure. Right. And it also imagines with Colorado, it's also a great spot, just going back to more temperate climates for RV camping as well, right? So does your book also address a lot of great campsites where you can hook up your RV and travel and travel to in addition to just pitching your tent? Yeah, absolutely. There's, uh, you know, Colorado has 42 state parks. And many of those are on lakes and reservoirs that have, have big campgrounds that accommodate all sizes of RVs. You know, we've got, we've got quite a few private campgrounds as well that, that are made for that. And you see RVs of all different shapes and sizes out there. Some really, really rugged ones that have high clearance and can get all over the place. And then there's the the bigger, bulkier ones that kind of lumber along and, and look for a place to park. And, and there's plenty of those too. Right. And so it, it seems like there's a, there's a, there's a campsite and there's a park for, for everybody. And I think that's what's, what's nice about tooling through your book and getting excited about our Colorado trip. It seems like there's, there's a lot of diversity and there's a lot for everyone, which makes it pretty exciting, but also pretty daunting, which is why I, I do appreciate that there is a guide like your forthcoming Colorado camping book. But my last question, and this is something that we, we ask all of our guests is, especially since you've now been around the state a bit, was there a moment in a, any campsite or in particular in one of the national park sites where you just had a moment, maybe with your family, maybe by yourself, where you just had that one moment that hits you out of the blue, whether it's a transcendent moment or just a moment of appreciation about where you were in the particular time you were in. Do you have a moment like that you could share with us? Yeah, I, I mean, I'd, I'd go with, the campground that I mentioned in Rocky Mountain National Park, Moraine Park, I was there once. It was early spring. I was with one of my daughters. One of my three daughters was with me. We were doing a little daddy-daughter research trip. And in the early spring, it's kind of like freezing rain there, you know, and, and the campground was empty. Maybe there were eight other people in the campground with, that has like 267 sites, you know, that's usually bustling. So it was totally empty. We were on the outside of that D loop. and I was looking out of my tent window and seeing my daughter just sitting there in her rain jacket as if there was no rain, just walking along. Just You can just see her exploring with these, the mountains behind her. And, and she looked really, really at home. And that was kind of my goal was, was to get them feeling at home at places like that. And, and, and I sat there for a moment and, and looked at that with the, you know, her framed in the, in the door of the tent and got a nice picture of it that appears in the book somewhere. But yeah, I'll, I'll definitely stick with that moment. That what a great note to to end on, and, and yeah, that's the same goal for for us. So what a nice what a nice image. Again, here with Josh Berman, uh, author of the forthcoming book Colorado Camping by Moon Guides, which drops in May. Josh, thank you very much for being with us. This has gotten us excited about our forthcoming trip to Colorado, and I think it's gotten everybody else excited about getting out there and throwing up a tent and having a little bit of background about where where best to do it. So I really appreciate the time. Thanks, Brian. I really appreciate being here and happy camping on your trip. We'll see you out there, maybe on the D-loop. Sounds good. <laughs> All right, man. Take Thank care. you very much. Thank you for listening to Everybody's National Parks. You may find links to resources mentioned in this episode in the show notes on our website, everybodysnationalparks.com. Send us your stories, tips, or comments to hello at everybodysnps.com. You can write us a message or even record a short voice memo on your phone and then attach it to the email. You may be featured on an upcoming episode. 
Again, the email is hello at everybodysnps.com. Subscribe for free to Everybody's National Parks on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. If you like the show, become a patron. Just click on support our show on our homepage, everybodysnationalparks.com. We also appreciate if you write a review, give us a five-star rating, and tell your friends. This helps more people find us. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We love to hear from you from the parks you are visiting, so please tag us at hashtag Everybody's National Parks. Most of all, enjoy exploring the national parks with your family. Bye for now.